Welcome everybody to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead Podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Juba, helping you find happiness and joy on your homesteading journey. Today is Monday, October 31st, 2022. Happy Halloween, everyone. I hope if you love dressing up that you either got to dress up earlier this weekend or you are going to dress up today. I got to dress up as a fairy princess on Saturday for a party and it was a lot of fun. So happy Halloween. We will get right into this episode. It is episode number 42 and it is all about food production in the winter, which I know sounds a little strange. Like what can you actually grow in the winter? I'll go into some of that, what you can grow, how you can extend your season, no matter where you live. I've got some tips that'll hopefully help regardless of your grow zone and your climate. So I'll start off with the grow zone and the climate. Depending on where you live, you might actually just be able to grow outside in the winter. So I would like to say that anywhere zones 8A and up, can probably grow something in the winter even if it's just you plant some bulbs of onion in the ground and you pick them in the spring so you're not actively harvesting throughout the winter but you can have something in the ground growing zone 8a and up doesn't usually get snow if it is it's very rare you get a couple of hard freezes but not a ton so I will say I lived in zone 8A and that is something that I did. So I wasn't actively harvesting throughout the whole entire winter where I was getting a bunch of crops, but I actually accidentally overwintered some crops. So when I say overwintered, what that means is I planted some broccoli and some kale and some cauliflower and I just kind of forgot about them. And I think I even planted them a little too late in the season to harvest throw that in with me moving and they just kind of got forgot about and never picked out of the garden so when it did started to freeze and get kind of cold in December January February the broccoli cauliflower kale it stopped growing and then in the springtime as things started to warm up again they started to regrow and started to get bigger and they were actually able to be harvested in the spring So that was a fun experiment that I did on accident. So that is something that you can do depending on your climate. I will also say you can overwinter pepper plants if you're warm enough. So I did that before as well on accident in zone 8A where I had this beautiful pepper plant, harvested all that I could off of it. Winter came, killed the plants off, the stem got really woody and I was just too lazy to pick it, so I left it alone all winter. Even in the spring, I kind of just left it there. I planted in all my other beds, but left it, and when I went to pull it out, because I hear I'm thinking, oh, it's dead, it was in the ground all winter, it actually started growing. New leaves, new peppers, it had new growth, so you can overwinter things like pepper plants as well, So that's something you can do is kind of overwinter some things depending on your grow zone. If you're in the sevens, you might be able to overwinter some stuff. I don't have personal experience with that, but it's worth looking up and looking into to see what you can or cannot do in your climate and grow zone. 
So I've said before in some of my other episodes, do not fall in love with your grow zone because I think microclimates play into effect and so many other things play into what can and can't happen on your property. So don't fall in love with your grow zone, but it's a very good general way to learn some stuff about your climate. So if you're grow zone three or four, you probably get a ton of snow and I'm not confident that you'll be able to overwinter pepper plants like you can in grow zone eight or nine. So maybe you can't overwinter plants or I mean, it's maybe a little too late now that we're basically in November and you're thinking for next year, what what can you do? So you can do what I call season extension. So what that means is you're not overwintering where you're not keeping stuff in the ground the whole entire winter. But like my first frost, I started getting frost out here middle of October, which is crazy early (laughs) compared to zone 8A where I lived in. Um, So I started getting frost in October. So something you can do is if you start getting frost early October, but it still warms up. Like for the most part, the days are still up in the seventies here. So I could still grow some food and it's not snowing. You know, I don't have feet of snow on the ground. It's just sometimes in the mornings it gets really cold and frosty. So you can extend your season by keeping that frost off your plants so they can grow for a little bit longer and you can get a little bit more life out of your pepper plants, your tomato plants, your kale, whatever it is you have planted. Kale kind of likes the frost and would be okay. It's really those summer crops if you're not quite done with them yet. So how can you extend your season? I think one of the first things that people think about are greenhouses and greenhouses would be amazing. A greenhouse would be amazing. I do not have one of those. Greenhouses come in all different shapes and sizes. It doesn't have to be the big, crazy greenhouse that costs you $20,000. You don't have to have that. I have seen some of the plastic greenhouses that you could buy at like Aldi's or Walmart or off Amazon for under a hundred bucks. How well do those work? I'm not really sure. And then you'd have to worry maybe about moving your tomato plants inside the greenhouse to protect them. So greenhouse... I think it'd be great to have a greenhouse. One of the plastic ones might work really, really well. Something to think about with like the plastic ones. If it's not heated, it's not heated. So if you're only averaging 35 to 40 degrees in the winter, your greenhouse is not going to be that much warmer if it's not heated. So I don't want you to expect to walk into the plastic greenhouse and have it be 75 if it's 30 outside if you're not heating it, you're not heating it and it will not get that warm. It'll be warmer and it'll keep the frost off the plants, but won't be that warm. So a greenhouse, great. If you have one, I am a little jealous and I'm very happy for you that you do have one. But greenhouse is not the only way to extend your season to maybe grow some things in your climate that don't love the cold if you get kind of cold. You can also build something called cold frames. So cold frames essentially are made of wood and I've seen it done with like plastic and stuff. Um, There's other ways to make cold frames as well. The idea behind a cold frame is you build a top for your garden bed basically 
that you can add on before the frost comes in and then take off during the day so your plants can soak up some sun but be protected from the frost. I'm imagining like a cold frame might be kind of big if you're trying to cover huge tomato plants. (laughs) So tomato plants... I will go on a little side note here. You have determinate and indeterminate. I love growing the indeterminate tomato plants, which are the huge ones. Last year when I grew them, I was able to trellis them up to seven feet tall. (laughs) So I'm trying to imagine a cold frame that would fit over that. Probably not your best solution there. But for like a pepper plant, I think you could build a cold frame. I've seen people build a cold frame. Like I've got a slightly raised garden bed. So I've got probably about six inches off the ground is how high mine is. So not super high. It's not three feet or anything. But I'm like six inches off the ground. It's surrounded by wood. I've seen people take a hinge and actually attach their cold frames to their raised garden beds. So then they're not picking it up and moving it. They literally are just opening it up. So that's a really cool idea as well if you're into building things and you want to build a cold frame that's really cool so i don't have cold frames either but i will say there's tons of stuff online about them how to build them the blueprints everything you could possibly want or need is out there for them what i have done for my plants if i know a frost is coming through and i still have some tomatoes out there i want to harvest or some peppers whatever it might be that i know hates the cold and hates the frost I've actually gone out there with a sheet, like a bed sheet, a regular top sheet. It could be a fitted sheet, I guess, but I have top sheets. I will go on a side note here. Apparently, the younger generations don't use top sheets and they just use fitted sheets. I will say I am a millennial (laughs) and I use a top sheet. I like a top sheet so I have top sheets in my house but like my younger sister and my brother do not use top sheets they don't understand why I use one (laughs) they think it makes me old school or something I'm not sure so if you know a frost is coming through or maybe you planted your little seedlings out there too early or you planted out the right time and you got a late frost or you know you're gonna get a late frost a sheet will help then too so this is great for the spring and for the fall So I've actually run out there before with like bamboo stakes and I put all the stakes into the dirt and then I throw the sheet over and have it kind of rest on the stakes. So I will say you don't necessarily want the sheet touching your plant all over the plant if you could help it because the idea is the sheet's just going to act as a barrier between your plant and the frost. So if your sheet is just draped over the plant the frost is just going to be on the sheet on the plant and it won't have that much of a barrier have a little barrier but a sheet is a sheet you know but if you give two or three inches between your sheets and the plant that's more space then the plant's not going to get as cold and it stands a better chance of surviving the frost so i have done that before I've gone out with a sheet. I've actually had to do it multiple times sometimes to protect my plants from either an early frost or a late frost, whatever it might be. And it's worked every time. So do not be afraid to run out there with a sheet. 
So now you might be wondering, well, how do I know (laughs) if there's going to be a frost or not a frost? I will say being in an area now that gets frost more frequently, I'm working on figuring that out. (laughs) Some of it's kind of obvious. Like when I look at the temperatures right now, we're getting down to like 45 at night. But about two weeks ago, we were getting down to 29 at night. And I knew, okay, we're going to probably frost on those mornings that says 29. So that kind of helped just to kind of pay attention to the temperature change. But I will say the first frost that we got out here in October, it was 42 degrees out and my car was covered in frost. Now, why is that? I haven't gone down that rabbit hole yet. Um, My yard was not full of frost. So it was just some spots that got frost. It was also weird out here. Uh, So this is my first like fall in the mountains, living in the mountains of North Carolina. I will also say something about the mountains, I think, also affects the frost. So like I was getting frost, but people I worked with that live 10, 15 minutes from me didn't get any frost just because of where they were on the mountain versus where I was on the mountain. I will also say walking my dog (laughs) in the mornings, I would have frost on my car or on some of my yard, not all the yard, like half the yard would have frost and some of my neighbors would have frost and not other ones. So I would love to look up the science behind why that is exactly, but I haven't done it yet. So if you know, that is amazing. You could let me know maybe as to why things sometimes frost and sometimes don't frost out here. So one clue is the temperature, and you kind of just have to pay attention throughout when it's the season, like when it's March, April, maybe even May time frame, depending on where you live, or in the fall, you know, October, November, even in December, depending on where you live, you might get your first frost. There might be some other tips to figure out when it's going to frost before it frosts, but I don't have those yet. As I get more experience, I think I'll be able to figure some of that out. So something else you can do. So on the scale, I kind of went from like the biggest one, which was a greenhouse. Then I talked about cold frames, which are like baby greenhouses almost that you can build pretty cheap out of pallet wood or whatever it is you want to build it out of. Then a, she- then a sheet which is super simple. Everybody probably has a sheet that they could run outside and throw over their vegetables if they wanted. So another thing you can do, this kind of gets into having a little bit more money, a little more infrastructure, depending on your property. You could have what's called a cat tunnel or a high tunnel. Those are two different things. I'm not going to go too far into what is the difference, how much the cost is. If it's something you're interested in, I'll let you do your research. So a cat tunnel or a high tunnel, two separate things. Essentially, you see those on farms. They are the big, long, white plastic tunnels. You can still walk in and get underneath them. Sometimes they have like a plastic entrance and exit. So it's completely kind of cut off, but you can sometimes remove the plastic sheets sometimes you can't on the entrance and entrance and exit but for the most part it's sort of like a greenhouse but a little more temporary and it's a nice long 
greenhouse. So greenhouses can come in all different shapes and sizes. You can heat a greenhouse really well. Lots of things you could do with a greenhouse. Cat tunnels, high tunnels are lower infrastructure than a greenhouse is. I believe depending on, I think if you tried to get the same square footage in a greenhouse versus square footage under a cat tunnel or high tunnel, the greenhouse would probably cost you more per square foot. Don't quote me on that. Yet again, you have to kind of compare apples to apples. Like if you're trying to compare a high tunnel to one of the cheap plastic greenhouses you could buy at Aldi's for 50 bucks, not the same thing. So you can do a high tunnel or a cat tunnel if you've got the space for it, if you've got the money and you are willing to invest in the infrastructure. You can also pick some plants that are cold hardy, some plants that will tolerate a colder temperature. So there are types of pepper plants out there. Maybe you live not in seven, I live in zone seven, maybe you live in zone three or four and your season without frost is so short, maybe you find the right type of pepper plant that could tolerate colder temperatures but will still grow for you even though the temperatures are getting cooler at night and staying cooler throughout the day of the summer. They do exist. They may not be super common. You may not be able to order the regular green bell pepper plants off of whatever seed place you're buying from, but different varieties are out there for a reason. Even if that means you need to invest in like a hybrid seed to make it work in your climate. Now, I'm not suggesting find some type of hybrid bell pepper plant that you could grow in the snow. I mean, maybe you could find that. Maybe you want to try it. Maybe you want to invent it. That is great. But that is not what I'm going to be doing because bell peppers, they do like the heat. They do like the summer. But there are some colder, hardy plants that are okay if it gets colder and if your season isn't as long. So something else you can do will get away from outside because I feel like the outside stuff can be very specific to what your property looks like, how much money you can or are willing to invest in your property. Something everybody could do, no matter what grow zone you live in, is grow food inside. There's so many ways to grow food inside. So you can grow food inside hydroponically or aquaponically. And I'll talk about the difference here really quick because I think it is important to note the difference. So if you want to do more research about one or the other, you know which one you're looking up. So hydroponics grows your plants in water. So the roots, instead of living in dirt, they live in water. And it's not just regular tap water. It's usually water with nutrients in there. So it mimics the soil. But I will say growing it in the water solution is is less space than what it needs from the dirt. Aquaponically is kind of the same. There's no dirt involved. Yet again, it's water that your roots are growing in with some nutrients, but there's also fish involved. So essentially you are feeding the fish and the fish poop And that becomes some of the nutrients that their roots need. Now, 
if you are going to pursue hydroponics or aquaponics, I highly, 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 highly recommend you do your research because the right ratios matter. If you don't have the right ratios, you will kill your plants. If your plants run out of water, they will die. Like there are things that can happen. I've never done aquaponics before. I've never tried to keep a fish alive, but same thing. If you have something wrong in the water or you're feeding them incorrectly, the fish can die. Like things can happen. And I think a good hydroponic or aquaponic system, depending on how big you want to make it, can be a nice investment. So you want to make sure you're investing in the right things up front. So I'm going to kind of hop off of that a little bit here, but I will say there is a low-tech version of hydroponics, and that's what I do in my house. So I don't have a filter system, a filtration system. I don't have any of that. I do what's called Kratkey Hydroponics, K-R-A-T-K-E-Y. So Kratkey Hydroponics is the same concept as regular hydroponics where the root plant, uh, the plants of the root, oh my gosh, I'm getting it all backwards here. The roots of the plant grow in the water with the right nutrient level. I would love to do a whole episode just on crack key hydroponics for anyone that's interested in starting their own. So what I grow most of my stuff in is half gallon mason jars or quart size, like the wide mouth quart size mason jars. That's what I'm growing food in. So you might be wondering what the hell can you grow in a quart size mason jar? I was growing lettuce lots of lettuce. The lettuce was so good. I guess I've never had really fresh lettuce before. And that was my favorite thing last winter. All winter long, I had lettuce going. Now I don't have lettuce right now inside for a few reasons. One of those reasons is I got my list back of 23 things my body doesn't tolerate well. And one of them is lettuce which is super unfortunate. (laughs) So there are other leafy greens that I would love to try growing inside with crack key, but I can tell you I did lettuce and it was amazing. I also do basil inside hydroponically. Holy cow, the basil. The fact that I could get fresh basil whenever I wanted in January, February timeframe was amazing and I will say regular basil plants with the ratio of nutrients that I was using loved it and the leaves on them were bigger than my hand a regular basil plant so I will do a whole episode on crack key hydroponics to talk to you about how to set it up what you actually need what you don't need but that's an idea that you can grow inside so you can grow hydroponically aquaponically inside you can also grow in the dirt inside you can grow herbs on your windowsill that's an easy low maintenance thing to grow in your house that will save you money year-round is just growing your herbs in a sunny windowsill if you move around a lot it'll transport well transports easily 
If you decide you don't really want to do it anymore, it's not too hard to stop doing it. You know, you're not going to wind up with all this extra stuff you'll never use again. You could also grow in your house with or without grow lights, depending on your setup. So you can make growing inside whatever you want or need it to be. So I will say a little side note here. This doesn't really have much to do with food production in the winter, but I want you to factor in as you're growing in the spring, summer, and fall, factor in not really being able to harvest a lot in the winter because then maybe that will open your mind to preserving foods and eating more preserved foods instead. Focus more on the seasonal eating. I know that's something that I am very interested in is learning how to eat closer to the seasons. I have kind of gone off and on with that where I've really wanted to do it and I've looked it up a bunch but with me being vegan and kind of keto-ish and seasonal eating I just haven't found a good like template to follow but maybe I don't need a template maybe I just need to do my own thing and make the template if other people want to follow it so that's something to think about as well if you know you love tomato products you love fresh tomato sauce grow some extra tomato plants in the spring and summer harvest it and can yourself that tomato sauce that can last you then in the winter so something to think about is kind of growing ahead of time and preserving that food you can also grow in the spring and summer long-term storage foods like your winter squashes which I will say winter squash, kind of a misnomer. It is, but it isn't. So for me, when I always heard, oh, this is a winter squash, I assumed that that meant it grew in the winter. I was sorely mistaken when I decided to grow winter squash for the first time this year. I tried to grow some spaghetti squash, some butternut squash, and I found out I had to plant it in the spring. And the reason you plant it in the spring, it doesn't grow as fast as your summer squashes, like your zucchinis and your yellow squash, crookneck squash. It grows slower, so it's ready the end of summer into the fall. And your winter squashes keep for a long time so you can eat them throughout the winter. Brilliant. Makes a lot of sense. So that's something else you can do. So you're not actually producing winter squash in the winter, but you're growing them in the spring and summer so you can have those squashes put away inside and eat them as you would like to throughout the winter. So other foods that store long-term really well that you could plant ahead of time, ahead before the winter, are potatoes, carrots, beets, turnips so think root crops will do really really well I have heard of some people being able to actually store their root crops in the ground I know sometimes people have like a root cellar and that's where they store them but I've heard of people just storing them in the dirt like keeping them in the regular dirt I don't know about that haven't done it yet I have not grown a ton of root crops this is my first real year growing carrots So we will see, I'll experiment with some stuff and see what happens. Something else that grows, or not grows, 
stores really well are apples. If you have room for a couple of apple trees, that could be really cool because they do come on right now in the fall, at least out here where I live. The apples are totally in season. So, ugh, apples. I love trees, like fruit trees, nut trees. It is something I really, really, really want to grow, but I don't have a ton of space in my property. And when I was looking into types of apple trees or some type of tree that I could maybe put on my property, there are people that grow fruit and nut trees in a regular size backyard. And they'll grow quite a few of them, but they prune them to stay kind of small. So I will say that is an option. If you're interested in like converting your backyard into a little orchard, you know, you can do it. There are things you can look up as to how to do that better. There are apple trees that I found that do not grow like a traditional tree. Like a traditional tree that you think of has got... Oh, I can't even think of the word right now. Like, not the stump, because stump that really is not a tree. But you've got the base of the tree, then up at the top are all the branches and the leaves. The trunk of the tree. That's the word I was looking for. But what I saw, there's this type of apple tree that grows just tall and skinny. And the trunk essentially puts off the leaves and the apples, you know? So I thought that was really interesting because then if you've got like a fence line where you don't really want to have big humongous apple trees hanging over everywhere if you've got a fence line you could plant these tall and skinny apple trees so i'll see if i can find a picture somewhere if not look them up they are definitely a thing and maybe they would work perfect on your property depending on where you live so that is all I have today for food production in the winter. I hope this gave you some good ideas with some stuff maybe you want to try. I'm going to recap really quick right here everything that we talked about because it was kind of a lot. It was more of like a list of things you could do instead of a specific how to do each and every one of those things. So you might be able to grow outside in the winter depending on your grow zone. You might also be able to overwinter crops where you just kind of leave them outside and in the early spring they'll be ready to harvest. You can get a greenhouse. You can build cold frames. You can just use a sheet for a little while. The sheet is not going to last you forever, but it'll get you for a little while. You can invest in a cat tunnel or a high tunnel. You can try to plant some really frost-hardy plants and let them go and see what they do. You can also factor in what you like to eat throughout the year. So if you know you like tomato sauce, grow enough tomatoes in the beginning of the year in the spring and summer and harvest and preserve that tomato sauce so you can eat it all year round. You can also grow some good foods that last a really long time like winter squashes, potatoes, carrots, beets, turnips, apples. Not an ex That's not an extensive list, but that is a little bit of a list of some of the foods that just kind of keep really well. So a lot of little tips here and there. So hopefully you got something out of this. Maybe there's something else that you want to look up. I realized in my recap, I forgot that you could grow food inside. I skipped right over that. You can grow food inside in the dirt or in water. There's so many ways to do it. There's no right or wrong way. So 
whatever works for you with the space that you have inside or outside with your growing, what you are able to invest in or what you want to invest in. So happy Halloween. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Happy Hippie Homestead Podcast. Please feel free to like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. And if you loved this episode, please also share it with people you might know that are interested in gardening and what they can do in the winter or not do in the winter. This could be helpful. So thank you so much.